This is Rob Cross, speaking to you as Darth Vader, Sith Lord 52654 of the Old Line Garrison, 501st Legion. That was, as you heard, Rob Cross, member of the 501st Legion Old Line Garrison. Through the Legion, he becomes Darth Vader. The 501st is a non-profit where those dressed as Darth Vader, Stormtroopers, or other Star Wars villains attend charity events or visit kids in hospitals. A few days after the premiere of the final Star Wars movie, I invited Rob to join me in the studio with his voice modulator. This is Frederick Uncut. And I'm Heather Mangelio. Star Wars. It's a series of movies that have spawned television shows, books, action figures, a whole land at Disney World and Disneyland, and captured the hearts of many fans. At the heart of the series was the story of Luke and Leia Skywalker and their father, spoiler alert, Darth Vader. The latest trilogy extended past the original 4, 5, and 6 to continue the hero's stories while also adding some new faces. And for those who have not seen the latest movie, don't worry, this is a spoiler-free podcast. Well, except for the movies that are well over 10 years old. And while editor Graham Cullen is a huge Star Wars fan, I must admit, and please do not turn off the podcast, but I have only seen three movies. One, four, and seven. So instead, Rob is going to talk about the latest movie, how he got into Star Wars, and how he became Darth Vader. We won't get too technical, but he will tell us how he sounds like this. Give yourself to the dark side. So, how did you get into Star Wars? Oh, it all, let's go back to when I was, <laughs> I don't know, a wee young lad. Um, around, I don't know, f- five or six years old, probably. Um, Empire Strikes Back was my first uh, introduction into the Star Wars universe. Um, it came out in, I think, 80, 82 or early 80s, let's put it that way. And uh, I was... I, had, I was born in 81, so a few years later, that was the movie that I was first introduced to, and of course, Return of the Jedi after that. It wasn't actually until uh, I was probably you know 10 or 12, I saw A New Hope for the first time. But yeah, uh, Empire Strikes Back was the first one I got introduced to, and forever, even to this day, it's my favorite one. Um, and the, the Darth Vader costume that I use with the 501st Legion is specific to uh, Empire Strikes Back. All right, and just for those who might not have watched Star Wars, kind of like me, um, which one is Empire Strikes Back? That's the second one. That's the second one in the original trilogy. Okay. Uh, from the original A New Hope came out in 77, I believe. And I'm pretty sure that uh, Empire Strikes Back came back in either 81 or 82, um, a few years later, Return of the Jedi. So, um, yeah. <laughs> All right, perfect. So what about Star Wars made you say, this? I love this? Well, I, uh, that, there's a lot. There's a lot of it. Uh, a lot of things. I mean, I, for me, I, I've always been. Um, I've always loved the futuristic, the the sci-fi stuff, um, and that, and and of course, you know, when you when you as a kid, when you see Luke Skywalker pull out a lightsaber, that's like the coolest thing ever. It's like as a kid, I wanted one so bad, and and I would reenact that scene. Uh, in Empire Strikes Back, where he uh, Luke is captured by a wampa and he's hanging upside down in the ice cave, and he has to uh, he has to um, escape by using the Force. He pulls the lightsaber to his hand, which is like frozen in the ice. He pulls the lightsaber to his hand 
activates the lightsaber and frees himself. And I always used to <laughs> reenact that scene as a kid. And so, um, yeah, I, there's that, the whole sci-fi element, the, the amazing cool little gadgets they have, but also, uh, it's the human, it's the story of the human spirit. It's the story of hope. Um, that, that kind of spans from a new hope all the way through not just return of the Jedi now, but to rise of Skywalker, which we're going to talk about. And, uh, I think a lot of people, it resonates with so many people, which is why on all of those levels, I feel like it has stood the test of time so well. Um, and it is beloved by so many people because of all of those elements. Um, so yeah, it's, it's all of those things, not just one of them. <laughs> all right. Perfect. Well, you know, this past week was a pretty big day for a bunch of people who are, who love Star Wars, yes. um, with the release of the last movie. Mm -hmm. So they say, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but you know, did you get to go see it on opening day? Not on opening day. Unfortunately, um, I, uh, f my job prevented me from, uh, going to see it until Sunday. Cause it's the one day that my job is, uh, closed. All right. <laughs> it's, it's a peak season for us. So really busy. Um, so I just saw it yesterday. I went to see it with uh, some of my best friends at noon uh, yesterday right here at the Westview and uh, was blown away. All right, perfect. So I'm guessing <laughs> you just stayed off your phone the entire time before that so that you wouldn't see any spoilers. Somewhat, yeah. <laughs> are you, are you, believe it or not, I actually I, I can't control myself. I'm still on social media even, if I, even though I hadn't seen it until yesterday. Um, but I have my, my friends, uh, thankfully, have all been really good about not posting spoilery stuff like they'll post the initial reactions like uh you know rise of skywalker yay or wow or you know there's a few that were like eh, you know they were okay they thought it was all right um but the vast majority that i had been seeing uh before going into the movie was positive well that's good because so. I've, I've heard it goes back and forth <laughs> the, the fandom has been very divided especially with uh the Last Jedi, uh, the reaction that people had of that movie, um, it was it was um, it divided a lot of people, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and it's funny. I I, I drank the Kool Aid with with <laughs> with Last Jedi because um, I got I had the opportunity, a very unique uh, and humbling opportunity, to go out to the red carpet premiere in L.A. for the rise of for the Last Jedi two years ago. Um, and that was all due to my involvement in the rebel, or excuse me, in the uh, 501st Legion, um, which, you know, I can, we can talk about that if you'd like, but that, that was an incredible experience. And so when you're in the theater watching the movie for the first time before anyone else has seen it with the cast of the movie sitting right behind you, it's kind of, it's surreal. So like we all drank the Kool-Aid, we're all like cheering and, 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 and loving the movie, but then, excuse me, and then you go home and see it again. Uh, for me, and I was like, eh, wasn't as good <laughs> as I remember it the first time when you're, you know, in the theater in L.A., but um, but Rise of Skywalker just completely blew my mind. So it was a good fitting ending to the nine movies that have come out? Absolutely. I think so. Um, <clears throat> there, there, there were, it was a real, I'm sure that was a, a really daunting task for J.J. Abrams and his co-writer, uh, I think his first name's Chris, I can't remember his last name. Um, who co-wrote it? Who co-wrote the script uh, together? I think that uh, there are, there were so many plot lines, storylines, story arcs that they needed to uh, kind of bring to a conclusion. That uh, I don't even know what they were thinking or how what was going through their minds. Like how in the heck are we going to do this? Um, but I think they did it justice, personally. Um, now, 
uh, movies, like a lot of things, it's subjective. So, you know, you're going to have, it's, you know, you're always going to have haters and people that didn't like it. I know a few, um, but it's okay. I mean, that's so just how it goes. So you're talking about how the series kind of, or the, you know, the entire Star Wars universe has kind of lasted the test of time. Mm-hmm. Do you think this last three movies, this last trilogy of that series will stand up um, like the original four? Or will they be kind of considered kind of like the one, two, and three of the series? Um, the ones that will, I think, always stand the test of time in terms of like guys my age and older who grew up on the original trilogy, the original trilogy will always stand the test of time. As far as the new trilogy, for me personally, I like to think so. Um, I mean, the prequel trilogy from the early 2000s and, uh, or late 90s and early 2000s, um, uh, Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, and Revenge of the Sith were, uh, it's kind of the same thing as uh, as, as you saw with with uh, right, with the Last Jedi, and that it was they were that the, it kind of divided the fan base. Um, a lot of people loved it. A lot of people hated it. There's some middle of the road people. I'm kind of a middle of the road with prequels, but um, there's a lot of elements of that that I love. Um, just like there are uh, you know a lot elements that I loved and hated in the Last Jedi, <laughs> but I but as far as Rise of Skywalker goes, there was a lot more to love in this one than there was for me in last Jedi, uh, hands down. All so. right. Well, let's talk about Darth Vader. Cause he's probably one of the best villains of all time. Yes. Even, even within the star Wars trilogy, <laughs> I don't think Kylo Ren stands up quite as no, well as Darth no, Vader. No. So what about Darth Vader drew you to him? Um, I think he's just, he's so iconic. Um, when I when I started getting into costuming, it started as uh, just a, a little hobby, and I started with a performance group, uh, just doing like a generic Star Warsy costume, and then it turned into joining the Rebel Legion first as a Jedi, and then it evolved into wanting to do something bigger. And you know, Vader was always a pipe dream, and I never thought I'd be able to do it, but because um, financially, it's you know it. Uh, it's not cheap <laughs> and uh but i figured out a way to make it happen and um yeah it's just it's vader i mean <laughs> there's there's no more there's there's i mean there's the face characters like luke and and leia and han and chewie and r2 and 3po that are all you know iconic face characters that everybody loves and knows but there's something about vader for me and I don't know. It's it's not necessarily the the story arc of Vader that uh, uh, that it that drew me to like like other story arcs like Batman or Spider Man or Superman that I love so much. But they the 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 common thread with those characters is that they they experienced. Well, actually, I guess Vader does fall into this category. They they all experience loss. Um, I lost my dad to brain cancer when I was very young. I was six years old. And so for me, those characters, I'm really drawn to them because they, I kind of understand what they're feeling and going through. And so that's, that's a really big reason why I'm drawn to characters like that. Um, you know, and so, yeah, I guess that's the best answer I could give in terms of, uh, you know, an emotional connection to Vader, to, you know, any character that has experienced loss. Cause in episode three, spoiler alert, uh, Padme, his uh wife and uh you know was pregnant with their twin kids Luke and Leia and she dies after giving birth and 
you know, and that's what kind of caused him to turn to the dark side and, you know, uh, you know, Palpatine promising a way to save her, you know, and, uh, when that didn't happen, it, it destroyed him. So, yeah. And do you think at the end of the sixth movie that he's redeemed at all? Oh, at, at the end of episode, uh, at the end of Return of the Jedi, absolutely. Cause I mean, he, uh, <clears throat> You know, at the, again, spoiler alert! If you haven't seen Return of the Jedi, it's you know, it's a little late. Get with it. <laughs> um, but yeah, when he when he throws the Emperor down that shaft in the Death Star um, to save Luke, when the Emperor's over him with the Force lightning and killing him, essentially, he saves him. And and I think uh, similar to now, are we allowed to talk to talk about Rise of Skywalker on this? Maybe not give too many spoilers, but. Maybe some broader themes. Okay, and because uh, uh, I was just about to say something that was, you know, sort of related, but yeah, you know, I'll, I won't say much on that. But yeah, the, Vader definitely is redeemed at the end of Episode Six, uh, Return of the Jedi, because of that. And you know, Luke takes off the helmet and the mask when uh, uh, Vader asks him to, or Anakin then asks him to, and tells him that he was right about him all along, that he there was still light in him, and that there was still good in him. And uh, yeah, it was. It's a beautiful moment. It's one of the best mm-hmm. moments in all of Star Wars, my, uh, in my opinion. Even though Return of the Jedi is not my not my ultimate favorite movie, it ranks up there pretty high uh, among all the Star Wars films. And that moment is one of the best moments of all nine of the episodic movies of the Skywalker saga. So, so without giving it away, I do hear after my boyfriend came home with ranting about the movie <laughs> um, that there are some redemption arcs as well in the last movie. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's there's definitely uh, some uh, and and you'll hear George Lucas talk about that uh, in in interviews with him. There are echoes in the story arcs. Um, you see the, the uh, good person turning bad, and then redemption, and you see the the good guy winning the day, and you know all these different things that there's they're kind of um, there's echoes of themselves kind of in these films throughout. So, all right. So when you so you started as a Jedi. And mm-hmm. then you switch to Darth Vader, which kind of follows Darth Vader's path, if yeah. I remember correctly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> Did you have an incredible, like, you know, turning moment where you felt that the dark... The pull to the dark? <laughs> <laughs> the pull to the dark side? Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it was Darth Vader. How, how could you resist? <laughs> I I couldn't help myself. It was uh, I, a lot of guys, or, or or male or female, that get involved in the Legion... You, whether it be Rebel Legion or 501st Legion, um, a lot of people get involved in a, a, a little bit of a cheaper, easier to do kind of costume to kind of get involved. and Or they'll start, we call it squiring, which is helping out at events and helping people get their costumes on before the event, um, which I didn't even start with that. I just went full bore straight into Vader. Um, so... Yeah, for me it was go big or go home. Like I said to, to Jeremy in the uh, the interview he did with me, I was like, go big or go home. Why not? I mean, Vader's that's Vader. All right, gotta do it. Perfect. Well, of course <laughs> you have to. So, as Vader, what do you do? So, uh, I am a member of uh, the Five Hundred First Legion, which is uh, it's basically a uh, it's a worldwide organization, sixty one countries, over thirteen thousand members, and um, in in this uh, organization, we do charity events. Uh, fundraising events, hospital visits. You know, we do some birthday parties, um, uh, public uh, outreach, community outreach types of types of events, and um, it's all non for profit. We don't do it for money. We do it because we have a passion for Star Wars and we have a passion for giving back. 
Um, and so when we do these events, it's really just about uh, putting smiles on people's faces, making them happy. I mean, when I, my, the very first event I did, I'll never forget it. It was, uh, it was a baseball game actually <laughs> of all things. And, um, it was, I think it was, um, was it the boo? It was either Bowie Bay Sox or, uh, the Frederick Keys. I can't remember which one it was. Um, but I, it was my first event as Vader and I stepped out of the elevator and I took about five steps and then I didn't move the rest of the time I was out there because a line immediately formed mm -hmm. and everybody was so happy and uh, it was really cool. And, and that was my first taste of like, you're kind of like a rock star as Vader, but I, I, it's the, the, sure there's part of me that's like, yeah, this is really cool. But the, 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 when you go to us to a, a hospital, whether it's NIH or uh, you know, to any kind of uh, children's hospital uh, visit that we do, um, it, it are the ones that make me feel the warmest, the more, the, the warm fuzzies, you know, because, um, that's really why I got involved. I didn't really do it for necessarily. I did it. I mean, there's a part of it for all of us that we do it for our own, our own enjoyment because it is a passion and a love. But when we want to give back and we experience that for the first time, it really is a special thing. And I've gotten to do some really, uh, heartbreaking things too, uh, like being involved in things that were just heart wrenching. Um, I was asked to, uh, appear as Vader for the last day of uh, school for a boy who was suffering from DIPG, which is a very rare form of spinal uh, brain cancer. And, uh, this boy, Elijah had, uh, had, uh, he was in the thick of it and it was his last day of school. And the, the guidance counselor got in touch with the 501st Legion and asked us if we could, uh, be there for his last day of school. So we immediately like, yeah, absolutely. And, and, um, as soon as somebody told me about this, I immediately jumped on it, especially since Star Wars is his favorite, but more than that, Darth Vader was his favorite. So it's like, well, I gotta, I gotta do this. And, um, so we were there for his last day. Um, and it was amazing. You know, it was, it was a, a really special thing to be involved in that with him and to meet him and his dad and uh, all of his friends. And, uh, and after that, uh, let's see, there's the, it was the following year, um, his birthday was coming up and, uh, they asked us to do some videos to wishing him a happy birthday. So I uh, didn't even think twice, did that, sent it to him. He got all these videos, uh, and, and to wish him a happy birthday. And the very next day he passed away the day after his birthday. And, um, we were invited then to be a part of his memorial service. Didn't hesitate then either. It was as heart wrenching as it was and as difficult as it was. I was so invested in him and in his family and being that it was cancer and that I had lost my dad of cancer. It was especially hit, hit especially close to home for me. Um, sort of the inverse though, you know, the son loses the father and with him, it's the father loses the son. And it was just, ugh. it was really hard, but I, I wouldn't have done it any other way. Uh, absolutely was, you know, honored to be involved in that. And, um, because I had done all that, Lucasfilm invited me and several others who had done some of these amazing events with the 501st Legion or the Rebel Legion or the R2 Builders or you know, Mandalorian Mercs, which are all costuming organizations um, that are recognized uh, you know, as these charity groups, and uh, got invi invited to attend the, the Red Carpet premiere. So that was phenomenal. <laughs> it was and amazing. you attended just as yourself and not as Darth Vader for the red carpet. I did. Yeah. Just, just as myself. Uh, they gave us the option of bringing costumes to wear, but I wasn't about to fly out mm -hmm. to LA with my, you know, very expensive costume. It would have been cool to do it, but 
uh, I, I wanted to be in the moment and, and experience it all with my own eyes instead of a, the mask over my head. And, you know, it wouldn't have been as much fun for, you know, or, or as memorable. So. All right. Well, so let's talk about becoming Darth Vader. And one of the things that you have is the voice modulator. So yeah. how exactly does this thing work and change <laughs> you into Darth Vader? It's really cool. I don't really, I can't really give you a technical explanation <laughs> of how it works. Uh, I just know that it works, but it's, uh, so there's this, uh, for, you know, uh, it, it's this like computer board or whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't know what you call this, um, but um, it's this little box that I have on Velcro on the back of my belt. And uh, it's powered by a 12-volt battery, and I've got a little iPod mini here that has the breathing loop that cycles uh, constantly. And then I've got a little little acre. So actually, I have two speakers, one that goes on either side of my belt so that I have extra volume. Because uh, a lot of the events I do, are very, it's very crowded, a lot of people, very noisy. And so I like to be able to be heard over the, over the crowd noise um, so I can still converse with people. And uh, it's really cool. And what I love about it is that... Um, when when people walk in the room and they see me, they're immediately like, oh, my God. Like, it's amazing. It's like actual real Vader. Now, the 501st Legion, Rebel Legion, we all hold ourselves very high, to, to very high standards. So the costumes are like movie quality. It's not, not, you know, it's not like we're not going to, you know, uh, Party City or the Halloween store and going mm -hmm. and buying a cheapo costume. These are fan-made costumes that we have, we put a lot of, you know, blood, sweat, and tears into making them our, ourselves, or, you know, we, we get them from, um, you know, uh, you know, various different sources, and, um, yeah, and, and then, <laughs> but, but it's one thing when they see me and take a picture, but it's another when they realize they can actually talk to <laughs> me, so they'll come up, they'll stand, they'll stand next to me, and they'll, uh, <laughs> they'll take their picture, and then they turn to me and say, thank you so much, and then I'll look down at them and go, you are most welcome, mm -hmm. and that, now I, that's my that's usually the tone and the cadence that I use. But with the chain, the voice changer, it modulates it even more, and it makes it sound more robotic. And I I do try. I, I've practiced and practiced my best James Earl Jones impression to really make it sound authentic. I feel like it works pretty well. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll as soon as I turn to them and say that, they're like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> totally freak out. It's awesome. All right. Well, since you just mentioned that, can you give us a little whirl with the "You are welcome" from your voice, and then sure. what it sounds like with that? Yeah. Let me turn the. Let me fire this up here. All right. <clears throat> so I got to be careful here, so I don't stick the the speaker <laughs> too close to my microphone here. So I'm just going to hold it. I'm going to hold it right here. So I'd say you are most welcome with that same kind of cadence and you know kind of tone, but with the voice changer, it sounds like this. You are most welcome. Perfect. Something like that. <laughs> yes. Yes. You are most welcome. Have a good day. Like I, sometimes I'll say like goofy stuff like that. Something that Vader would never say. Have a good day. Like sometimes I find myself being like, why don't I just say that? <laughs> but like they still get a kick out of it. Um, and I would love to, I really would love to quote lines of the movie for, for you so you really get the full effect. But I, I don't know how. LFL will think about that, but that's um, fine. But that's pretty cool. I mean, and so you talked about the costumes; they're fan made and they're they're not cheap. So, what does a Darth Vader costume, if you want to get in, very much into it, with the <laughs> with the voice modulator? Oh, What's that going to set a person back? I'm embarrassed to say, honestly. I mean, you could buy a used car for the amount that I've spent on it. Honestly, um, 
I actually told Jeremy and he put it in the article and I kind of wish he hadn't uh, in the uh, in the in the newspaper article cuz I people ask me and I and I uh, sometimes I answer most times I'm just kind of embarrassed <laughs> to say exactly how much but it's uh let's just say it's in the four figures range well, how much you're, I spent. you're putting a bunch of smiles in kids faces so it's, can you put a price on that No you can't you absolutely can't um especially with the, the things that I've experienced and have been able to do in my 4 years in the legion it's a it's an honor it's a privilege um and uh yeah it's it's really amazing to be able to to do this um i wish i could do it more and i mean i have with my job i have a young family wife two kids you know my kids are 5 and 2 and a half my son absolutely loves star wars i'm sure he would want me to do more but <laughs> um but yeah it just time doesn't really permit it as much as i uh was able to before but i still do like you know a few events a year um and i usually try to re- reserve those times that i do it for the things like uh, that really matter to me so if it's a a charity or a hospital visit those are the ones i really try to kind of keep an eye out for um i haven't really done a baseball game or a sporting event with the legions in a couple of years um but uh yeah but those are a lot of fun i will say the sporting events are really cool because all of the uh major league uh major league baseball the nba the nhl i think everyone except pretty much the nfl at this point have really kind of bought into the whole star wars day thing at their stadiums and so i did like camden yards a couple of years ago uh the orioles game that was so much fun mm-hmm. they had me come out on the on the home plate and look out amongst the crowd and um, they didn't have me like say anything or put a mic up to me or anything like that, but just to like stand there on the on the home plate uh, uh, area of the field, it was just it was a real treat. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, I, yeah, I wish I could do it more. Well, you said that your son is into Star Wars, so does, yeah, does he know that when you come down in costume that your dad, not Darth Vader? Yeah, when I when I so I, I like I said I've been doing this for four years. When I first started, he was one, and. Uh, so I, I made I was very careful to make sure that he saw me putting the costume on for the very first time. I did it at home, in the in the privacy and comfort of our own home, because uh, it was when I was first piecing the, the costume together, or I'd first gotten the whole thing together, and I was just trying it on and fitting it, make sure everything looked right on me. Um, and so by doing that, it allowed him to kind of see, you know, he would see the whole thing on except for the helmet and see that it was me. And then I put the helmet on. He'd still know it was, he'd still know it was me. Um, <laughs> so, he, yeah, when he was little, it was so cute. He'd be like, Daddy, da Fado. <laughs> um, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and uh, he still loves it. Um, and he always wants me to pull out the stuff so you can see it even to this day. So that's really special right. to be able to share that with him. Perfect. Well, is there anything else you think we should know? Um, you can go to, if you're interested in, uh, joining either the rebel legion or the 501st legion, we have websites, uh, the 501st legion is 501st.com. Um, and you can go on there. And even if you're thinking of getting involved and getting involved in giving back in the costuming, uh, community, um, best thing, the best thing I can recommend is to join the forums. It's there's, there's no cost involved in that. You just, you know, create a username and password and go on there and start introducing yourself. Um, do some research. There's a, a wealth of information, not just on the on the 501st website, but on the uh, detachment websites too. So for me, we have the Sith Lord detachment, which I think is 501stSithLords.com, if I'm not mistaken. And on there, there's that's where you find all the information on like where and how much and how and <laughs> all mm-hmm. the questions that you have 
when it comes to putting together a costume. Um, there's just so much information. It's a lot to take in, but it's it's very educational, and um, that's where you can you know on the on the main Five First page or on our local Garrison page too. Uh, Old Line Garrison is uh, Maryland's uh, group uh, for the Five First Legion. Um, you can go on there, and, and that's where you can find more local events. And a lot of people they get started. I think I mentioned this already that you can get started as a squire. Um, so you don't even necessarily have to have a costume to start getting involved. You can go and do these events and, and make, um, I've made so many amazing new friends just from the, the Rebel Legion, the 501st Legion. Uh, it's kind of amazing. And um, so it's, it's good to get to know people. It's good to start asking questions and, and start to experience what it's like to be at those events before you even get, like if you're a little hesitant and not sure, maybe it's not for you after a couple of times, fine, but otherwise at least get to try it. And if you get bit by the bug, then you just you take the next step and start building a costume, whether it be uh, an imperial officer, which is like one of the cheaper ones. It's like all cloth, you know, cotton uh, slacks and shirt and, and, a, and a hat and whatnot. Um, or you go big and go or go home like I did and just go straight for Vader. Um, it's it's really kind of what you're comfortable with and what your wallet allows. So, yeah. All right, perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. It's an, uh, a real a real treat to be here. Thank you. Jeremy Arias, our Cops and Courts reporter, interviewed Rob and other fans for a story on the movie's release. You can read it at fredericknewspost.com. We now turn from Star Wars to, well, marijuana. Yeah, so basically I um, was talking to Rick Weldon at the uh, Chamber of Commerce, and he was telling me that some businesses in Frederick County, like um, dispensaries and growers um, who are in the medical marijuana business, uh, they have to operate as cash-only businesses because they don't have access to most of the banking services that other businesses of their size would have access to. Business reporter Erica Riley spent several weeks digging into a story about the banking issues medical marijuana businesses face. So when you say cash-only, do you mean that they have to spend only cash, or if I'm a customer, I can only pay in cash? It's both, okay. yeah. So customers have to pay in cash when they come in, and then pretty much all their dealings with other businesses are also pretty much cash only or direct deposit. And why can't they use credit cards or some of the other banking technology that we have? So basically it comes down to the fact that even though marijuana is medically legal in Maryland and in many other states, um, it's still federally illegal. It's a Schedule 1 controlled substance. So banks kind of have an obligation to, when they know that someone who's depositing money into a bank has a dealing with like an illegal substance, they have to report it. So it kind of has a bunch of complications where they'd basically be responsible for a lot of, you know, like illegal activity essentially, even though it's not illegal in the state. So there's ways around it, um, but they are pretty strict. Um, the uh, Financial Crime Enforcement Network has like a list of ways you can kind of get around it but it's it's very hard so they basically can't even if a bank can offer you services it's usually just deposits it's not um you know like a line of credit or anything like that so and does that hurt their business um it definitely makes them more complicated it seemed like um i talked to phil goldberg who's the ceo at greenleaf they grow marijuana for dispensaries and I mean, they've expanded their business a lot in the last few years. They have locations in Pennsylvania and Virginia as well. Um, 
So I think there's a demand still and, you know, you'll meet the demand, but it's just makes everything on the back end way, way harder. And also it makes it much more difficult for customers, especially if they want to put it on a credit card because maybe they don't have the cash up front or they just don't want to carry around that much cash. Um, it just kind of makes it harder for both sides and would make it harder to open a business like that because you can't just get a line of credit or a you know a loan. Um, you need to have investors who are willing to put down cash for you or you need to get you know kind of creative with that. And so when you're talking about investors with cash because as you mentioned, it's not always easy to just have cash available on you. And I imagine when you're talking about investors, you're not just talking about five, ten dollars. Um, so, do you find that you have to get a lot of little investors in order to meet what you need? Yeah. So Goldberg said that he had, I think, 150 investors with 27 million dollar total. So they would all be uh, contributing a decent amount, but um, you'd have to find people who would be willing to put down that cash. I don't think it's a lot of. Um, small contributions, kind of a lot of mid-sized to larger contributions. And um, additionally, he did, um, their whole company did a, like a lease back program. So they built their facilities in Pennsylvania with, I guess, investors' money and then sold it, like the whole building, to um, a company that basically just does this with medical marijuana businesses. So they paid in cash for the whole building and now are leasing it back to gold um to Greenleaf. So interesting. Which that's a lot of cash when you talk about different transactions. I mean most things are done with wire services or direct deposits or just other banking. So that makes yeah. it difficult. Yeah. And then when you're, you know, ordering things or you need something on a monthly basis, you can't just be like, Oh, here's our credit card, just charge us once a month. You have to um do it through essentially like um ACH, like automatic clearinghouse. So you can do like direct deposit that way, but it just takes way longer and um, requires a lot more effort from all parties involved than it would just be to be like, hey, here's our, you know, a card or. Yeah. I mean, just even if you wanted like, I don't know, desk supplies from Amazon, like to come in every once a month, like. Yeah. It's hard, a lot harder to do <laughs> Amazon if you're not doing a credit card. Yeah. Goldberg said it was especially hard with office supplies because they, they order a lot of those. So. Yeah, I guess you don't really think about those little things, too. And for customers, so they definitely only cash. Have they, like, explored electronic venues like Venmo or any of those types of electronic banking? There is one um, app that's doing it where they are working with dispensaries. So you can, um, like, pay with a debit card that you load onto the app. But um, none of the ones, like, the dispensaries in Frederick have it yet. So it, it's newer. Um, otherwise, I don't really think there's any thing you can do besides yeah maybe put an atm in or something but so if you're going for medical marijuana make sure you have at least what you need to pay for in cash yes <laughs> at most places at least yeah yeah i guess that's a i wonder if how well is that advertised did they talk to the, and you about if they advertise it to their customers oh no i didn't um ask about that but i imagine it's pretty well known by most people if they have a card but um, I, I don't know. I didn't ask about that. Yeah, it's just, it's kind of one of those things, like, it's hard to imagine a place that doesn't take a credit card right now. Yeah. Uh, I, like, know of a few restaurants, and every time I go there, you're always like, oh, my gosh, do I have enough cash on me? Yeah. <laughs> I'm so used to just putting my credit card down. So, um, in reporting this story, were there any challenges or something that you learned? Um, well, I guess, like, a lot of 
businesses don't really want to talk about it because it um, it has been skewed certain ways in the past, I suppose. Um, but I did learn about um, a lot of the, like the legislative aspects of it um, and how the um, I think it's the Cannabis Bankers Association they're um, passing or trying to pass legislation called the Safe Act that passed the House in September but hasn't gone to the Senate yet. Um, that would basically offer banks like a way to go through with this so they could service medical marijuana businesses without having to be so um, down in the weeds about everything, I guess. Um, Because there is one bank, um, Severn Bank, which um, is in Annapolis. I think they have other locations too, but they um, service medical marijuana banks, but they also, you know, didn't want to talk very much because it is hard um, to kind of like, you don't want to say too much because it is it is legal what they're doing, but it's just very very um, like calculated and having to make sure that they're doing um, like regulations and going to the businesses they service and making sure they have everything in order. So it is pretty hard. And any word on whether marijuana might not be a controlled substance in the future? That's like um, a whole other issue. Mm-hmm. It seems like the Bankers Association is mainly kind of lobbying for the SAFE Act and trying to get that legislation passed first because they think that the Senate would more likely pass something for the banks to service medical marijuana businesses than they would to take it off Schedule 1 completely. Um, Although Schedule 1 drugs are ones that have no medical purpose, so it technically should be taken off, I guess, depending on who you talk to. But um, there are still a lot of people who would not want it removed so that's probably a longer fight but if that does happen then that would make it very easy <laughs> and banks could you know service those businesses a lot simpler it's definitely a very interesting thing just because you mentioned it's not it's not illegal in maryland and it's not illegal in a lot of states and I think even like possession rec- uh, recreational possession is now decriminalized so there's all these like movements it's just yeah the state <laughs> versus the federal <laughs> yeah no. Perfect. Well, is there anything else we should know? Um, I don't think so. All right. Perfect. Well, Erica, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. Erica's story can be found at fredericknewspost.com. For a recap of the rest of the week and a flash forward of what's to come, city editor Alan Etzler joins me now. All right, Alan, can you tell me a little bit more about what's going to happen this week and what we might have missed last week? Yes, I'll go back to, to last week, especially over the weekend we had. Uh, what I thought were several uh, good stories. Uh, you'll see a lot of Christmas coverage. I think we covered that a little bit last week, but two uh, other stories really stood out. Uh, one was, was one of yours, and it was about um, the woman who owns the little gym and donating uh, se- hundreds of gifts to uh, to children in need uh, through the Department of Social Services. Um, and it just... it. You know, growing up here, I, I obviously am uh, a little biased in favor of Frederick. I I love this place and this community, but it never ceases to kind of surprise me how many giving people we have here. Um, and so covering those stories is something I find to be really valuable. Uh, and I think when you see other people giving, it encourages you to have a little bit of a giving spirit as well. So I'm really glad we cover stories like that. The other one is the family that made 500 dozen cookies, which is just insane. Um, I don't. I don't even know what you would do with 500 dozen cookies or where you would put them. Like, if we make three dozen cookies, we have no place. We have we have nothing that holds three dozen cookies. All right, well, I'll tell you that. A 
typical batch makes about of sugar cookies because I do this every year. It makes about fifty. So fifty. So you got what? A dozen's twelve, so that's four dozen right there. So that's three. So you're close. So you're close. Oh yeah, I'm very close. (laughs) Um, So for for your question with three dozen, like you can fit like fifty cookies, but now imagine that's one batch to make five hundred dozen cookies. I don't even know how many. You need a whole new pantry in your house. Yeah, do you know how much flour yeah. and butter? <laughs> you, and just as someone who bakes all the time, do you know what kind of budget you need for five hundred? I, I absolutely. Cookies? Me and my girlfriend for the first time, we made something called kolachki. I don't know if you've heard of that. I have not. It's a Czech kind of pastry. It's it's almost like a cookie without the sweetness, and then it wraps um, like a pie filling kind of flavor. Um, and first of all, that's so much work. <laughs> <laughs> we made like. We made maybe three dozen of these little things, and it took us about five hours in total and a day because you had to let the dough sit. Mm-hmm. It's just – it's insane, and so good on those people for um, putting in that, that much work uh, to bring some holiday spirits and to, to what other people. do they do with 500 cook- dozen cookies? Give them out, I think, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I <laughs> I, I don't know how many you keep for yourself, but they're they're certainly giving some out to, to folks who need some holiday spirit. Um, and then the other story, and this is kind of a more newsy story, is is the discussion that we continue to have around widening I-270. Um, and Ryan Marshall did a pretty good story on uh, the folks in Montgomery County and what they're seeing. And, and they have a much different perspective than we do because, uh, quite frankly, all we have to deal with is, well, we just don't want to sit on this road forever. But people in Montgomery County are going to be losing houses. Uh, You know, there's going to be some environmental impacts that they have to deal with. And so uh, I was seeing that kind of side, but also also still um, uh, including Frederick's argument and how how much of a difficult process it's been to navigate 270 and to try to get this this plan of, of Larry Hogan's to either pass or die and move on to another plan, but at some point we've we've got to start seeing some movement. I think I think that's kind of what everybody agrees on is something has to happen. Uh, what that is, no one no one can really disagree on. You want to look forward? Let's look forward. All right. Um, so as I said, Christmas we're gonna have a lot of Christmas coverage. I'll get to you're gonna work Christmas Day. You are the one who drew the short straw and volunteered, and we very much appreciate all of our reporters who work Christmas Day. If you're working Christmas Day. If you know somebody working Christmas Day, please thank them uh, because it's it's not fun. Um, so thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, um, but I I want to just go over two two stories that I'm I'm looking forward to uh, this week that are non Christmas related. Uh, one is we're having a ramen shop open. Um, it's going to be opened by the same folks who run and own Lazy Fish, and this is going to be called Tsunami. And it's going into the viniculture. I vaguely feel like I've talked about this story before. It's taken a little bit longer to get it than than I think we've expected. Um, so I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast already. If I did, I apologize. But I'm really excited about some ramen. I'm really pumped. Um, so that's a story that I'm looking forward to. Another one is um, Joe Richardson, who uh, has been a big advocate for composting in our local schools and a big friend to the environment um, just in general. He is working on a $1.3 million stream restoration project. Uh, it's going to do a lot for the community there, and I am really looking forward to learning more about it because until today, I didn't even know it was happening. Well, that's uh, always so, exciting. So sometimes you miss things. Uh, shocking. I know it's breaking news for folks who read our newspaper. Sometimes we don't get everything. Um, 
but I'm really excited to, to learn about this and see the progress that they've made and, and the benefits that that's going to pay off in the community. And then we've got some sad news. And this is a story that you'll be working on. Um, Lily Weaver, who is really well-known in our community and really well-known as uh, nationwide as an advocate for childhood cancer, um, or for childhood cancer awareness and combating it, uh, died this past weekend. Uh, she had been diagnosed with cancer, I think, I think three times in 18 years, and she'd pretty much lived nine of her 18 years with cancer. Uh, I remember... I read, I heard a story today um, from uh, our one of our board of education members, Jay Mason, who was good friends with with uh, Lily, was at her graduation, and he had got a text message from Lily's father, and it first of all they had a little bit of back and forth about which direction Jay should look so he could wave to her dad, uh, but then um, he texted her and told her that the told him that the cancer was back, and he should get a selfie with her, and so today he posted that selfie. Um, and it's stories like that that you're going to hear throughout the community about this this young woman who um, really made a difference for people and really was a fierce advocate and uh, a big loss for our community and a big loss for um, the Ewing sarcoma kind of family that, that um, builds up when people get this disease. Yeah, I'll be um, hopefully talking with our family and other friends. Um, I did not w- report on her before I wasn't here, but just like recapping what we've um, seen um, you can tell that she's a pretty awesome person. For me personally, it was kind of interesting because I was looking on Facebook and watching her um, Facebook, and that's how I found out about it. Someone posted in another group, but one of the comments is from um, Zacking for Cancer. It's an organization, and I happen to know the people there. And Zach was in my grade, and he died of brain cancer, so it was mm. weird for my worlds to collide for my job in my um, hometown. Yeah, yeah it's. Um it's a giant world out there, but it gets really small really quickly when you start talking about these diseases, and it's it's kind of crazy how that happens. Um, for Christmas Day, you'll be working. I do want people to know we'll be covering Christmas stuff, news you can use, things like how to get rid of your Christmas tree. That stuff will be coming this week also, but I think we've got a pretty powerful story planned for the holidays uh, coming from you. Yeah, so I am hopefully tomorrow going to be spending some Christmas Eve with um, women at the Faith House as they have their Christmas Eve dinner. And then the next day on Christmas, I'll be spending it with, uh, uh, with the recovery program at Rescue Mission, talking about how people in recovery celebrate the holiday. Um, but I actually want to just not even talk about my own story, but just kind of the research of doing this story. Because when you cut uh, Christmas, this is my second year covering it, um, I said, all right, I want to cover something I haven't covered before. Last year, we didn't end up covering something because we were going to do a story about people who deliver babies on Christmas and unfortunately no babies were born so the story <laughs> kind of died um so this year I tweeted out what I'm I'm covering Christmas what am I missing and the amount of tweets I got back was just overwhelming um I had people say what about toll um people who work on the tolls construction workers people mentioned police and uh, EMS which we've covered in the past so I didn't want to do that but just the different place things people told me um one person suggested look at the professors who are inviting people over just the amount of good and the people who work on Christmas and the recognition. So um, it was a lot of people that I didn't even think about that work on Christmas. So keep them in mind when you're with your yes, families. Please please do because not everyone gets to be home with Christmas while we are all getting to celebrate or gets to be home for Christmas while we're getting, getting to celebrate. A lot of people are uh, working jobs that are necessities for us to live the life that we get to live. So, Or for other uh, reasons, just not able to celebrate with their family, whether yeah. they're working on their own recovery or just not in a place where they're safe enough to be at home. Yeah, so um, 
really, really valuable stories uh, coming from you. Both of those are going to be, uh, they're going to be one story, but you're, you're sharing two different stories and uh, really valuable reporting. So yeah, those are the things I'm looking forward to and excited about this year. Perfect. Well, thank you so much and um, happy holidays since it's coming out right before Christmas. Yes, absolutely. If you, if you celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas. If you celebrate anything else, uh, Happy holidays and enjoy whatever you celebrate. For uh, my tribes out there, happy Hanukkah. Yes. We're on night two. <laughs> so, Six more to go. <laughs> so what is the observation process like that for you? Uh, well, so um, I do Hanukkah with my family. Um, usually we pick one night to kind of do our big Hanukkah meal with my mom makes brisket, um, which is a traditional Jewish um, meal that only happens like twice a year. So you don't want to miss it. And my dad makes latkes. Um, which is always fun too. And you only get those for a good reason once a year. Um, <laughs> a lot of fried food around Hanukkah. We light the uh, candles. Um, this year I'm back home, so I will light them with my friends and family, but I'll also do it by myself at home with my boyfriend. Um, and then I also celebrate Christmas. So before Great. I come in on Christmas Day, I'll be doing Christmas brunch. And then if I get out of here in time, I'll be doing Christmas dinner. Um, so I try to do both, but I volunteer for, uh, for ho- Christmas every year because I don't, celebrate the mm-hmm. holiday so why should i take that away from someone else awesome well we appreciate that and uh enjoy the rest of uh hanukkah and again to those who celebrate anything else uh, enjoy those holidays perfect well alan thank you so much for coming in thanks for having me there will be no food review this week but next week you can tune in to hear more about food reporter katrina Pereira's thoughts on some of the new food options at h mart as always all of our coverage can be found online at fredericknewspost.com you can also pick up a hard copy on newsstands around the county. Frederick Uncut is produced by me, Heather Mangilio, and edited by Graham Cullen. We will see you next week.